We pray for Malcolm as he comes up and preaches now. Father God, bless Malcolm as he preaches. May, may he be filled with your spirit and filled with joy as he brings your words. Give us hearts to, to understand what you're saying today to each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. Do please have a seat. It's lovely to be here once again. It's also a thrill to be invited to come here. Good, I'm sort of Baptist through and through, having spent many, many years in a Baptist church, so it's just look like coming home. Now, the passage today had all sorts of interesting ideas in it. <coughs> Thank you for reading. This is clear and beautifully read as ever, but all sorts of ideas that I could you know, happily preach for probably sort of a good hour and a half. But you'd be very disappointed to hear that I'm going to focus on perhaps just one key issue and uh, reduce the time just down a little bit so uh, your Sunday lunch won't be swallowed too badly. But the point I want to focus on particularly is to do with the idea of servants waiting for the master to return from a wedding banquet, sitting there not quite sure when he's going to come back, but anticipating and trying to be prepared so they can open the door as soon as he arrives. And it's really that the message that uh, Jesus is trying to put for when he will return, the state of mind that we need to be in, what we need to be doing. And if you go on YouTube or any of those things these days, you can see loads of videos about Jesus is going to come, when's he come next week? He's going to come in a month's time, all sorts of stuff on there. And then within church circles, we often hear people speaking about the return of Jesus and the impact that will have. But people, when they mention it, usually imply that it will be the end of all their personal problems, all the difficulties they face, and enter the, shall we say, political and cultural conflicts, all the wars that are happening around the place at the moment. You know, these people believe that they will bring an end to all of those things. And their desire within the churches is normally for it to come soon, to bring an end to all these terrible things, to bring an end to their sufferings. But is it really that simple? You know, do we need to be careful here? And in many people's lives, it may be a case of being careful what you wish for, because it could not work out quite the way you expect. If I could illustrate it in this way, um, on days when your house is hoovered with an inch of its life, there's not a particle of dust on any shelf anywhere. Are people familiar with that situation? Everything is absolutely put, everything is put away in its correct place. Um, there's a fresh sponge cake on the cake dish. There are the kettle is ready to boil. There are tea bags in, in the teapot. You have all your smart clothes on. You're all ready. Now, on, on the rare occasions when our house is like, she's pretty great. No, Anne probably hit me for saying so. You can be sure they are the days you've guaranteed that no one will call. It's absolutely perfectly, and nothing will happen. But there are also days when your house looks like a bomb city. You may be up to your elbows in cake mixture, having made a cake, or you've been outside, you're coated in mud from the garden, and every pot, bowl, spoon, dish, plate, frying pan has been used and is spread all around the work surface. One of those days, perhaps, when you've still got your pyjamas on, your house is a complete tip, and you can guarantee that's the moment the doorbell will ring. <laughs> a visitor at a time you did not expect you were not ready. Now, has that ever happened to you? Anybody? Yes, a few nods. So it's obviously happened to quite a few of you here. The time when that person will call. Now, the part of the passage I want to focus on particularly is speaking about being ready. Now, you may think it's quite easy to be ready, but in my house, there are two types of ready. 
And you may, you, know, you may be able to link in with some of these as well. Now, the first type of radio is when friends are coming to pick me up, and that's given the clue as to which member of the family I'm referring to. Um, friends come to pick me up at, say, 7.30. I'm there with my shoes on, my coat on, phone charged. You know, I've been to the toilet, and I'm standing there about 10 past 7, looking out the window, <laughs> seeing if they're going to, to pull up. So I'm always ready, so when they come at 7.30, I'm there, straight out. That's ready. But there's another type of ready. And my daughter, Sean, is one that particularly falls into this <laughs> particular bracket. And her idea of being ready is lying on the sofa at 7.29 and being reminded that friends are coming at 7.30. <coughs> yeah, it's not a problem. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready as soon as they come. And then the doorbell rings. And then there's a frantic search. Where's my shoes? Where's my handbag? Oh, I need to go to the toilet. Where, where's my phone? And then she admits quite slowly perhaps she wasn't quite as ready as she thought she was. And that's knowing when the friends are going to come. So in the case of Jesus and his return in the passage, it tells us that we must always be ready because the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will come at an hour when we do not expect him. Now, Jesus isn't looking for the spiritual equivalent of lying on the sofa with your feet up type of ready, conning yourself to believe you are clearly ready when you evidently aren't. It's the standing there with your coat on is the type of ready that we need to have. Now, while it is true that we don't know precisely when he's going to come, we are not left in total darkness, as in Matthew's Gospel and elsewhere in the Bible. Various other signs are given to us about when he will come, the sort of things we need to look out for. And he tells us that as we approach his return, we will hear of wars, rumours of wars, nations will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines, pestilences, brackets, pandemics, there will be earthquakes in various places, there will be financial upheavals, all these things are the beginning of the birth pains which Jesus refers to. Now while it's true that many of these things have happened on and off up and down history for you know, many, many centuries, why do, why do you think it is that Jesus compares these to birth pains? Now, having recently become a granddad again, you know, I can see horror that I can't possibly be old enough to be a granddad, but uh, having recently become a granddad again, and seeing my daughter not have, shall I say, the easiest of the pregnancies, brought back memories of when Anne was expecting our children, and she didn't have an easy time either. You know, I can remember Anne going through sickness, lack of sleep, feeling very uncomfortable, comparing herself to a beached whale on various occasions, <laughs> swollen feet, um, various other aches and pains, raised blood pressure. You know, all the mothers in the room can perhaps associate with you know, most of those, if not all, all of those things. So when Jesus speaks about the birth pains, it should be understood that the pains and all these problems during the nine months are very different to the pains that <laughs> suffered just before birth. This is a very different type of pain which is timed by the doctors, etc., is more frequent, but also significantly more intense. And I can remember calling the maternity ward when the painful contractions started, and they would ask me to describe what the pains were like and when the last one happened and how often they were happening. And you go, no, no, you're not quite ready yet. Hang on a bit longer, hang on a bit longer. And then once they reached a certain intensity and frequency to be told, right, now's the time, yeah, head up to the hospital, things are about to happen. In the birth pains, this more intense, this more frequent pain, 
tells us that the birth is close. So linking that then to various things that are happening around, around the globe, we had a, a prayer earlier on about how things seem to be getting worse, more and more things happening around us. And those of you who are in the room of more senior years, you know, when you think back to life when you were younger, you know, there may have been problems happening, but were they as intense as they are now? Were things more as frequent as they are now? Is there a feeling that things are now picking up in pace? You know, there was a time when you could perhaps just see problems appearing on a distant horizon, but now we see them in the news every day. So do you feel that these are getting more troubling, more frequent, more intense? And if you do, might these be the birth pains that Jesus spoke of? A time when we need to be sure that we are ready, not just to pretending to be ready or just talking about it in loose terms. These are signs that really ought to get our attention and make us get up off the metaphorical sofa and take notice. But the question is, you know, is his return close? And if it is, are we truly ready? Now, people who have thought about these matters, you know, biblical scholars and others, accept that Jesus came to earth once. There's no question about that at all. You know, there are references in Rome and the Jewish records from that time, and they had no reason particularly to favour Jesus. So he was definitely recorded, and that is in addition to what the Bible says about him. But coming again some 2,000 plus years later, to many people, that is much, much harder to accept. You know, the line being that surely if he was going to return, he would have done so by now. But I think it's clear that Jesus indicates in the passages, the one we had today and others, that his return would be quite a long time coming. But when Christopher read the passage today, it referred to, shall he come in the second watch or come in the third watch, which is a reference to guards taking it in turns of, you know, watch for the defense of the city. And um, clearly implying that he may well not come to the third watch right till you know, the morning. Uh, and in the book of 2 Peter, it states that in the last days, people would simply take the mickey out of the church, you know, saying things like, so what's happened to the promise of his coming? You know, where is he? He's, you know, things are still going on as they always were. Nothing's changed. You know, you've got it wrong, you Christians. He's, he's not going to come back. And that is you know, what's happening today. I've heard people say those very same things. Now, his first coming was predicted by the Old Testament prophets. If we look at what they say in our Christmas services and elsewhere. But there are even more prophecies from the same and other Old Testament prophets speaking about his second coming. And in addition, Jesus said multiple times that he would return. So I would say it's a very brave person who denies that Jesus will in fact return. These prophets have got form. They got it right once. And I certainly wouldn't bet against them getting it right a second time. So going back to my sort of illustration about the, the tidy house, are we really ready? Really, really ready. Just for example, if Jesus had returned last Wednesday, would we have been ready? Would his arrival find us helping and loving our neighbours? Or would it find us thinking bad thoughts about someone or gossiping? Are we really ready? But it's hard, you know, how can we be ready when we don't know exactly when he's going to come? Or what even is required by being ready? You know, what do we actually have to do to be ready? Well, the start, I would suggest, is knowing the signs in the Bible by watching out, watching the news, by working your way through these things. 
The Bible promises that Jesus who died on the cross in our place for our failures will come back and establish his kingdom for those who turn to him and seek his forgiveness. And being ready is all about faith in Jesus and letting that faith shine through us in all we do and all we say. As it said in the passage, blessed are those servants who the master finds watching when he comes from the wedding banquet. The wedding banquet. Now, weddings in those days could go on for four or five days or even a week, you know, really long events. And as a result, the servants could not predict exactly when the master would return, but they would have a rough idea, as do we from looking at the signs. Those who kept watch, those who stayed faithful, will have a place at the heavenly feast at the end of time. What about those who aren't ready? Well, in verses 39 to 40, it speaks about an owner of a house who didn't know what time the thief was coming. But these days, we get very used to receiving messages whenever a delivery is expected. You know, we get messages from Amazon and others saying, your parcel will arrive between two and four. And sadly, we don't get those sort of messages when burglars are about to come. So these people won't be ready. They'll have their thoughts elsewhere. They won't expect him to come after so long, after these 2,000 plus years. The people that you know, haven't sort of prepared themselves won't have stayed faithful. They won't be prepared. They won't be watching. And as a result, their house will be broken into and they will miss the, miss the opportunity. As it said in the passage, the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So I would say, please don't fall into the trap of thinking it's been 2,000 years. He won't return now. Watch out for the increasing frequency, increasing intensity of the birth pains. So the message here is be ready, be really ready, be watching, because one day the King will come. Amen. Amen.